You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Falato's Fantasy Corner. We're rolling into week two right now, and we're going to go over some starts, some sits of players that are on the fringe, some guys that you may be considering starting, and I can have some answers on why they may be advantageous starts to your fantasy football team. We're going to roll right through this, ladies and gentlemen. So let's start with the quarterback position. And I feel a little gross saying this. I honestly do. But I believe in super flex leagues, two quarterback leagues, you can start Mitch Trubisky. Now, this guy had 24 fantasy points last week playing absolutely terribly. He sort of has a high floor because he has a lot of rushing upside, and it seems like the Bears might want to implement that in their attack. Now, they have a new offensive line coach in Juan Castillo right now, and they're starting to, I guess, focus more on the fundamentals of playing offensive line. It's something that they've struggled with because they've been an ineffective offensive line for the last several seasons, but i Look at the Giants' defense and the Bears' rushing attack, and I think the Bears are going to have some problems running the football with David Montgomery and Tariq Cohen. And they had a couple runs last week. I watched that game. They had a couple runs with Tariq Cohen through the A-gap that were pretty solid runs. They implemented Cordero Patterson in the rushing attack as well, but I think they're going to have to throw the ball, and I think the Giants can be susceptible against the pass. Now, you look at two of their big weapons when it comes to throwing the football, and it's Allen Robinson and it's... Anthony Miller. And Anthony Miller lines up majority of the time in the slot. I like Anthony Miller this week. I'm a little skeptical because he only saw like 40% snap share, which gives me some pause. But I do believe the Bears are going to use a lot of horizontal crosses and they're going to throw at the slot where Darnay Holmes, I felt like he played relatively well, but there were some plays where he was beat out of the slot. It's difficult to play in the slot. And I think Mitchell Trubisky, he's going to look at his success maybe conducive to what he can do out of the slot. Look at how the Bears played the Giants last year. They put Allen Robinson in the slot against Corey Ballantyne, and they just targeted him in two-minute drill, and Corey Ballantyne surrendered like four catches in a row. Now, I think Darnay Holmes is an upgrade in the slot over Corey Ballantyne, but I could see them possibly moving Robinson back into the slot to really kind of do the same thing that they did last year. Granted, it was a different defense, but the Giants played a lot of cover two in week one, a lot of cover one. And the Steelers were able to devise specific adjustments and game plans against each of those defenses. So Patrick Graham's going to really need to get creative if the Bears adjust to a specific trend that the Giants are going to show. Now, for Mitchell Trubisky, again, I don't think they're going to be able to run the football against this Giants front, this stout front. And I believe there's going to be a lot of quick passes and a lot of horizontal passes to where they're going to try to get the ball in their playmakers hands and their playmakers can try to do something in space with the ball that's robinson and that's miller specifically and i even look at darnell mooney now you're never going to start darnell mooney but maybe in dfs 
Or if you do short slate DFS, I think Mooney, who's going to be dirt cheap, is somebody that you can plug into your lineup and he could hit on a big play. He played like 33% of the snaps and nobody knows who he is. So pay attention to that name. I've heard the Bears beat reporters were really trying or really just raving about him throughout training camp. So he's a player to monitor as well. But don't love Mitch Trubisky, but this week I think you can go and you can start him and feel solid about it as a number two quarterback. Another quarterback I feel like you can start is Matt Stafford. I know he kind of let you down, but you got to think about it. Should have had over 20 fantasy points last week, but DeAndre Swift dropped the game-winning touchdown. I know the Lions passing attack struggled last week as well, but this week they get Green Bay, and it could be a higher scoring affair, and they could be chasing points because I don't know if Green Bay, Matt LaFleur are going to let Aaron Rodgers cook, but if they do, then you have Matt Stafford, and you have Marvin Jones. Hopefully, Kenny Galladay is back. That's still up in the air. Hopefully, they can. They struggled a little bit last week, but hopefully, they can find their groove with Daryl Bevel and Matt Stafford can get over 20 fantasy points in this game like he was supposed to last week. <laughs> now, quarterback to sit is a quarterback I love, and that's Carson Wentz. I know that's sacrilegious to say on a Giants-based podcast, but he's going up against the Los Angeles Rams and Aaron Donald. And his offensive line is so beat up. Now, he should be getting Lane Johnson back. That's the right tackle. And he should be getting star running back Miles Sanders back. But in one quarterback leagues, I'm really trying to find someone like a Gardner Minshew or maybe even a Mitchell Trubisky to start over Wentz because this pass rush is going to be specifically Aaron Donald against this interior offensive line could be something scary. And we saw it in a similar like last week with the Washington football team and their pass rush. The one thing I like is this is a home game for the Philadelphia Eagles and the Rams are traveling from the West Coast to the East Coast for a one o'clock start. So there could be some potential there. But if you have better options, I would probably look to go in that direction because this offensive line is just beat up. And I don't know how long they're going to be able to protect Carson Wentz with someone like Aaron Donald and even Leonard Floyd when he's a compliment to Aaron Donald and that Rams defense with Jalen Ramsey and all these guys on the back end it's just a little bit scary the fact that you're getting Sanders and Johnson back are great but it's still somewhat scary on to the running backs now I think Ronald Jones is somebody that you can start Now, the Bruce Arians rushing attack with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, it does give me pause because you have three running backs that he likes to use. But last week, Ronald Jones had 47% of the snaps. Now, if that stayed consistent for the whole year, I wouldn't mind Jones as a flex. Leonard Fournette only had the five carries in week one, but that could increase. And he's Jones is going up in a dream matchup against the Carolina Panthers who just allowed three rushing touchdowns to Josh Jacobs. Last week, Jones had 17 carries, three were in the red zone, one was within the five-yard line. So the likelihood that Jones falls into the end zone at home against Carolina, a young defense, a poor rushing defense, it's high. But Jones could also miss a blocking assignment and then just get benched for Leonard Fournette. That is something that Bruce Arians has done in the past. He's really, really cut through. And Jones also, while he was used somewhat in the passing game, he had three targets. Shady McCoy, that's kind of his role. So it's one of those things where it depends on how confident you are in the opportunity for Jones. I think Jones is going to be the number one running back in the, on this offense, a Tom Brady-led offense. I think Fournette will be there as well, but I'm confident that Jones can at least have a solid fantasy day. Makes me feel like he's worthy of a flex start in a somewhat deeper league, but I would be a little tentative about it at the same time because there are things to be concerned about when it 
comes to this rushing attack, when it comes to Bruce Arians as a head coach. But Ronald Jones looked good in week one. He looked good, and there's no denying that. Another running back that I love is Naheem Hines against the Vikings. Now, this was going to be a three-headed monster for the Indianapolis Colts with Marlon Mack, Jonathan Taylor, and Naheem Hines. And unfortunately, Marlon Mack went down with an Achilles. He's done for the year. Now Jonathan Taylor just launched into a top 15 fantasy option because he's going to receive the bulk of the first and second down carries and some third down carries, while Hines is going to be the predominant third down back and also be used in the goal line a little bit. I think Taylor will take over that role, but I think Hines and Taylor, and we're drawing a parallel to Phillip Rivers right now, are going to be very similar to Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler last year. Both of those guys had stand-alone value. So I really like both of these players against Minnesota, a defense that people think is good. They are not good especially in the secondary so i think Hines could be looking at eight targets seven targets a game also get you know a handful plus of touches with jonathan taylor there a young kid so Hines is still that veteran running back in this backfield and i really like both of those players now i think if you have jonathan taylor it's not even a question you're going to start him no matter what unless you have like clyde edwards alaire and just the mo- and josh jacobs and the most stacked defense there is and Josh Jacobs this week is playing the Saints so that's not even something that's ideal so you're going to be playing Jonathan Taylor is my point now Naheem Hines in PPR leagues full point PPR and even half point PPR strong consideration I picked him up a lot on waivers and I feel comfortable starting him in this matchup against the Minnesota Vikings I also like Zach Moss at Miami he is a player who's split in the backfield with Devin Singletary but Moss, I feel like, is the superior player. He's the player who's seeing all the carries in the high leverage zones of fantasy football, so the red zone within the five-yard line. He saw eight carries in the red zone. Three of them were within the five-yard line, and he ends up scoring last week, but it was a relatively disappointing fantasy output to what it could have been against the Jets, even though the Jets are a pretty good rush defense. But now he gets Miami, who just surrendered three touchdowns on the ground, in within the five yard line it was in the red zone the one was a little bit outside of the five yard line but two to cam newton one to sony michelle zach moss is that role that player and although josh allen can snipe a thing or two i still believe zach moss could fall into the end zone so i really like moss this week as well he's a player to definitely monitor and as for a sit now it's going to be hard to sit this player unless you're really really deep at running back or have really really deep receivers but melvin gordon he has a couple good things trending for him pittsburgh's on a short week so you'll love to see that philip Lindsay is his backup and he's injured probably won't play he has turf toe but this is against the pittsburgh steelers and they just held saquon barkley to six yards rushing on 15 rushing attempts and over the last 17 games pittsburgh has allowed five rushing touchdowns so in these 12 team leagues it's going to be hard to stray away from gordon but in 10 team leagues you should put some thought into it just because this is a terrible matchup this is also a short week for the denver broncos and they have to travel to Pittsburgh. So there's a lot of kind of things going against Gordon other than the fact that Philip Lindsay is hurt. I think Royce Freeman will have more than just a 10% snap share. Now, it won't just be all Melvin Gordon. Freeman's going to be mixed in as well. So I look at the running back situation there. And for this specific week and the next several weeks, if I'm going to be honest, because the Broncos are playing against the Steelers this week. Then they have the Buccaneers, Todd Bowles, and that defense. It's a very, very stout at the point of attack defense, as is the Jets. And then you have the Patriots. So that's kind of tough right there. And then you get the Dolphins. So it's like, oh, okay, that's that's not that bad. But then you get the Chiefs, and that's a team that's probably going to take a big lead. And then the running, rushing game, it might not be as as good or as effective or as utilized. So I'm not in love with the Denver schedule when it comes to running the football. 
But before we go on, let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. On to wide receivers. Okay, so some start wide receivers. So obviously I'm not going to sit here and talk about, hey, start Devontae Adams or, hey, start the best receiver in the league. It's not the way I'm going to do this. It's receivers that you don't, you have an uneasy feeling about. There's reasons to believe maybe they won't have success, but at the same time, their either target share, their opportunity, where they're being utilized, it's actually a smart decision to probably go in that direction. At least in this fantasy football, you're kind of betting on the odds a little bit. You're always kind of playing a game and rolling the dice because no one actually knows what's going to happen. But it's all about what you see uh, prior and how the team is utilizing this specific receiver. And I'm going to start with Deontay Johnson. So a lot of Giant fans probably listen to this. We saw Deontay Johnson struggle early on. Drop that punt, muff punt. Giants couldn't find a way to punch it in. Oh, I don't even want to get started. You have a seven-man protection package and the Steelers rush five, and they get home with three. But that's besides the point. And Deontay Johnson also had a bad drop in that specific game. But he ends up finishing the game with Big Ben with 10 targets, six catches for 57 yards. There were plays specifically designed for Deontay Johnson to beat man coverage and to beat the cover two defense that Patrick Graham utilized as an adjustment to the man beaters that the Steelers and Ben Roethlisberger were throwing at them. So he's going to be a big part of this offense. Juju Smith-Schuster gets the two touchdowns, but I think positive regression is going to come for Deontay Johnson. He's going to end up possibly scoring against Denver, a team that's kind of weak in the secondary. They just lost A.J. Boye. He's on the short-term IR, and he was by far their starting and best cornerback. So I look at what Deontay Johnson might be going up against in the Week 2 matchup, and it looks like he's going to be playing against rookie Michael Ojemudie from Iowa. Now, he was a pretty solid player against A.J. Brown and Corey Davis in week one, but I think this game plan that the Steelers may incorporate against a weak secondary but a pretty stout run defense that Denver has, I think there's going to be some air yards, and I think Deontay Johnson is going to be the beneficiary of a touchdown, not Juju Smith-Schuster as much this week. So I like Deontay Johnson. Some other receivers I like are Paris Campbell against a Civ defense with the Vikings, who are not the same defense we're all used to. Yes, they still have Anthony Harris. Yes, they still have Harrison Smith, but they do not have the cornerbacks right now. They lost Trey Wayne. Xavier Rhodes is no longer there. He's old anyways. And these young guys that they have, the Mike Hughes of the world, they're just not quite there yet. And they were abused by Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, MVS, Alan Lazard last week. And I think while Phillip Rivers can't push the ball vertically as well, I think he's going to throw the football to the slot, which is Paris Campbell. In week one, a loss to the Jaguars, Paris Campbell still had an A dot of over 11 yards from the slot. And he has a pretty good opportunity, at least he does within his skill set, to create yards after the catch. And usually slot receivers have that because they have a two-way go, which puts the cornerback into kind of an unfortunate situation. And this is one reason why I think the slot is going to abuse the New York Giants. You get someone running a horizontal cross away from a covering defender. They catch the ball then they could do whatever they want with it. Now, there are going to be other defenders in the area, but if you have the ability to make defenders miss in space, which Paris Campbell does have to a certain extent, then it could just increase your yak, which means more fantasy points. So I think he's going to have around nine targets in this game, which is obviously close to double-digit targets. And against a Mike Zimmer defense, that is just not the Mike Zimmer defense that we all know. 
And for a quarterback who can't really push the ball vertically, can't stretch the field horizontally from the fact of like far hash to the sideline, he's going to rely on Naheem Hines out of the backfield and Paris Campbell in the slot, just like he did with Keenan Allen and Austin Eckler. And I think that parallel is actually an accurate one. It's not just an overstatement. So I do like Paris Campbell. I don't think it's a facade that he was tied for team lead in targets last week against the Jaguars. So I do like Paris Campbell. As for Sit. Now, I'm not going to sit this guy, but I do have my reservations about this player, and I'm really interested to see what he does in Week 2, and that is DJ Moore of the Carolina Panthers. So they aired it out a little bit more than I thought they were going to, vertically that is, but DJ Moore didn't come down with a lot of those, and Robbie Anderson did, and Robbie Anderson ended up scoring. The thing that I'm scared of with DJ Moore is he's going up against a cornerback that kind of shut down Michael Thomas. Now, people are like, well, you know, Nick, Michael Thomas got hurt in week one. Yeah, he did late in the fourth quarter when he was rolled up on, but before that, he was being shut down by Tampa Bay cornerback Carlton Davis out of Auburn. Now, this cornerback struggled. He's a bigger cornerback. He struggled in the past, but he looked good on the film that I saw of him in week one. I'm not going to bench DJ Moore, but I am saying my expectations for him aren't great. Okay, and that does kind of give me a little bit of concern, especially because a lot of people drafted DJ Moore, and I like DJ Moore a lot, but they drafted DJ Moore to be their number one receiver. And Carlton Davis plays the right side, right cornerback. You know, DJ Moore plays the left wide receiver for a lot of the time. Now he switches sometimes, sometimes he'll slide into the slot. Carlton Davis is somebody who. This was his first game as a breakout number one kind of corner against a top player because he struggled in his first couple of years, but this could be a matchup to monitor. Going to start DJ Moore, but there is some reservation from me, and I don't know who exactly I would start over DJ Moore anyways because I drafted him in a lot of leagues, and a lot of people did to be the number one receiver, so I might just bite the bullet and hope that he's able to win this matchup, which is something that he can do. Maybe Davis just was a better fit against Michael Thomas. We'll see. Maybe Matt Rule will scheme Digi more away from Carlton Davis if he is the player that he showed in week one. So he's somebody I have reservations about, but I'm not going to necessarily sit. Now for the tight ends, two starting tight ends. Now I'm going to start Evan Ingram. He's not one of the two, even though he had the worst game I've ever seen Evan Ingram have in a blocking standpoint, from a receiving standpoint, from a mistakes, from an assignment standpoint, Evan Ingram was absolutely terrible in week one. But I'm expecting a bounce back against the Chicago Bears, a team that they line up Danny Trevathan against Evan Ingram. Evan Ingram's going to win that matchup 10 times out of 10. Roquan Smith is a little bit different. Eddie Jackson's definitely different. Eddie Jackson is one of the best safeties in the league. But if Evan Ingram gets isolated against Danny Trevathan in man coverage, it's lights out. So I'm going to be starting Evan Ingram. I'm not going to overreact despite the fact that I'm pretty upset with him. Now, another tight end that I like that can be found on waivers is Logan Thomas. He used to be a quarterback in college, and then he joined the NFL, and he was a backup tight end for a lot of different teams, and now he lands with the Washington football team. And he's going up against the Cardinals. Now, for those of you who don't know about the 2019 rule, for the Arizona Cardinals, it was start your tight ends and shut up because the Arizona Cardinals were bleeding fantasy points to tight ends back then. But now they drafted Clemson linebacker Isaiah Simmons. And George Kittle was the first play, uh, player to go up against Simmons, and he didn't necessarily have a great fantasy game. I don't believe that's only because of Simmons. I also think he was blocking a lot, and then he ended up kind of suffering a knee injury not a serious one he played through it but he suffered a knee injury in the second quarter and he was just never really utilized after that in the passing game 
But my point is, I don't think Arizona is going to be as bad against tight ends as they were last season. But I still like Logan Thomas in this matchup, mainly because Dwayne Haskins is not a good quarterback. And Thomas led the team in targets. He had eight, and that was the second most tight end targets in the league behind a Philadelphia tight end, backup tight end, Dallas Goddard. And the A dot for Thomas was around 9.96 yards, so he's being used a little bit vertically. He had three red zone targets, and I look at the Washington pass catchers. They're skill position players. I like Antonio Gibson, but he's a rookie running back. And I look around, I see Terry McLaurin. He's going to get the Patrick Peterson treatment. And then who are you throwing the balls to? Hmm? I like Steven Sims. I think he's a solid receiver. But Logan Thomas is a gigantic target in the middle of the field for a quarterback. That's not that great. At least he didn't look good on Sunday. Yes, he got the win. That's great. The Washington football team is in the lead of the NFC East. But he was missing throws. He was overthrowing throws. He was panicking the pocket. And when you have a skittish quarterback like that, they're going to look for their best friend, a big target in the middle of the field. Because those are much easier passes than throwing it to the sidelines with touch or with velocity. So I like Logan Thomas in the middle of the field for the Washington football team. And he's somebody that you can get basically anywhere. So if you're in a pinch, if you had Blake Jarwin and he got hurt, go pick up Logan Thomas and see how he does. I don't think it's a terrible, terrible spot for him whatsoever. And I also like Hayden Hurst. Now, I think I'd rather start Logan Thomas over Hayden Hurst, but I think Hayden Hurst is going to have a bounce back game. I think the game plan is going to implement him a little bit more because it's kind of hard to look at Hayden Hurst right now and feel encouraged because Matt Ryan passed the football 54 times and he received five targets. That's not good, but he was out there for 80% of the snaps and ran routes on almost all of those snaps. So I think Dallas, their defense, they're going to need to focus on Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley. And they're going to also need to try to sure up that terrible rush defense that Mike Nolan implemented. There seemed to be no gap integrity within that team that last week, Malcolm Brown and Cam Akers were just thrashing them. It just did not seem like they really knew what they were doing. Assignment sound football was not a part of their forte. So they have a lot to work on, Dallas. But I think you can operate the middle of the field with Hayden Hurst. No Leighton Vanderesh. No Sean Lee. Their safeties, I like Xavier Woods, but their safeties aren't the best part of their defense. Their pass rush is. And you're going to want to get the ball out of Matt Ryan's hand to quick target over the middle of the field, kind of like I was saying with Logan Thomas. Not that Matt Ryan's going to be scared to throw to Julio or Calvin Ridley, but I believe coverage is going to dictate that it's going to be difficult to do that coverage will dictate that more passes might have to go to Hayden Hurst and I think he's going to be in for more than just five targets and if he's not in this dirt cutter tight end friendly offense then I'm going to start questioning why they traded a two and a five for this player so I think he's going to have a bounce back week and I'm comfortable starting him now for tight end sits don't really have any but if I had to put somebody it's a tight end that I don't want to cut but tight end that I don't want to play either. And that's just Mike Kosicki because Mike Kosicki, who I like, and I know Devontae Parker's dealing with an injury right now. He's going up against the Bills and the Bills have been shutting opposing tight ends down since last season. And they do it at a high clip because that is a very, very good defense. So I'd rather play a Logan Thomas, a TJ Hawkinson, a Chris Herndon, all players that can more than likely be found on most fantasy leagues wires right now so i'd rather go in that direction but i don't want to cut mike kosicki because i feel like he can have a really good season in that miami 
offense, with especially with Ryan Fitzpatrick as the starter, who likes to kind of throw it around the field and air it out. And he was very strong last year, Mike Gesicki. Towards down the end of the stretch, he was very, very strong. With Preston Williams and Devontae Parker, I think that can also assist Gesicki. Granted, he might not be averaging nine targets a game like he was at some points towards the end of last season. But I think he's in for a good year and better matchups. But this week, a little hesitant to do that. So that is my quick spiel on some players to monitor going into week two. I hope this helped. Please rate, subscribe, review this podcast. Give it five stars. That would be lovely. And please have a lovely day. Best of luck with your fantasy football teams in week two. Have a lovely one. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder. But you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.